Three Amazon sellers. Three Amazon sellers. Entertaining conversation with some of the brightest minds in online business. This is the one-stop shop to start or scale your business further than you could ever imagine. Ever imagine. Welcome to the Buy Box Bandits Podcast. Welcome back to the Buy Box Bandits podcast. Today, we have an awesome guest, Eric Lott, also known as the reselling teacher, who is a former teacher turned full-time online arbitrage and wholesale seller, I believe. So we're excited to learn his story today and kind of uh, get to know behind the scenes of how he went from literally being a teacher to now being able to do Amazon full-time. I know that's something some of our viewers aspire to do. So it'll be good to gain a lot of clarity on one person's journey on that. So Eric, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so we typically like to start just here, how you got into everything, how you found out about Amazon and all that. I think um, as I try to re- remember it, I think someone posted like a, uh, on Facebook, they posted like a Gary V video and it, it had nothing to do with reselling. It was just kind of motivational. And, and Gary V made a passing comment. And I think he was referring to Reezy or, or somebody that was like selling used books on Amazon. And uh, I was like, what? Like, it, it just kind of, it didn't sit right. I was like, I didn't even know you could, you know, people could sell on Amazon. I just assumed Amazon sold everything that was for sale on Amazon. And I think I just started kind of down YouTube and, and I was just intrigued by the whole thing. And uh, yeah, so I started off just kind of um, looking around the house, seeing what I could find that had a barcode, scanning it, you know, and uh, I think I put together a box of about six or eight gifts that people had given somebody in the family that they never opened or never used. And, uh, and at the same time, I started kind of watching consuming Reezy's content because he was really one of the few voices um, back then. And so I started scanning books at like thrift stores. And then, um, so I just fell in love with it. It was the coolest thing in the world to me. And then um, that was the summer of like 2017. So I had to go back to school in the fall of, uh, of, uh, of 2017 and so then I was trying to figure out like well how I don't have as much time now and uh, that's kind of when I started looking at online arbitrage started buying stuff so that when I got home from work there would be packages you know inventory kind of sitting there and um, so I did that for about a year I got burned out with teaching decided I'm gonna you know uh, I'm only gonna live once let's try something you know different so 2018 July of 2018 I kind of went full-time and uh Started in the kitchen, moved to the dining room, moved to the garage, moved to a commercial space in the building that I'm in now around the corner. And then we moved into this space here, uh, 2009. I think we moved in here in 2020. So, What's the square foot of that? Of that I think the whole thing is about 4,000. It's a small, like, uh, it used to be like a, a mom and pop hardware store that went out of business. Right. So we just came in and gutted it and uh, just kind of used it. It literally takes me six minutes to drive home. And the, uh, the, the rent is great. It's super close to home. So it's, uh, it works out really well. Awesome. Cool. So when, when, you, when you first got started, what made you go towards books? Was that just from Reezy's content? Or like, did you know there were books OA and RA? Or did you just decide to stick with books? What made you just I want to say the first comment I heard Gary, I think Gary said in the video, he's like, there are guys that, that are selling, you know, doing $100,000 a year selling used books on Amazon. So that was kind of the first thing that I, 
even knew you could sell on Amazon. And then I think I watched the Reezy video where he was kind of scanning stuff. And so I just downloaded, you know, whatever, uh, Scoutly or whatever it was before that and, uh, went to a Goodwill. And I think I scanned a book and, uh, it said I was going to make like 70 bucks and, uh, I shipped it in and it sold. And it was like, like I was hooked, man. It was like a junkie, man. Just like, you know, just, uh, yeah. So that's kind of, it. I think I started with books just because that was what the content that was available that I was consuming, you know, that I found was about books. Right. How long did you stick with the books until you started to transition? Obviously we know you do a lot of online and, and wholesale now, but so what was your transition and what was your scaling like and what did that look like uh, in the Amazon? So I, I still did books for quite a while. I would, I would flip uh, textbooks to, uh, I would go into like, the, we've got a couple small uh, community colleges and stuff here. So I would go in like their Facebook groups and and uh, say, hey, like, hey, kids, I'll buy your textbooks from you. And uh, I would just offer them about 30 or 40% of what they were going for on Amazon. So even when I kind of transitioned into uh, uh, a little bit more OA, I was still uh, flipping, trying to find textbooks, trying to find, you know, books that were profitable. And early on, I mean, I would sell I mean, anything and everything, I'd go to a garage sale and I'd find a used computer monitor that had a listing on Amazon and I would find a, a phone, you know, like a, a, a business telephone or like anything and everything that had a listing on Amazon that had decent, you know, sales rank. Like I didn't care what it was, used, new, right. uh, I was selling, uh, I would buy a lot of like video game systems. I would go on like Facebook marketplace and try to find somebody selling like a Nintendo switch with like 15 games for like a hundred bucks. And then I would farm out the, uh, the titles individually, you know, like sell the, you know, break it out, sell the components, uh, separately. Um, so yeah, I did a little bit of everything. And then, um, when I decided to go full-time, I was, I was really focused primarily on, on retail arbitrage. Um, and, uh, you know, I would take these big shopping trips. I would hit six or eight States, load up trailer, you know, come back list and then like a month later is like oh everything's sold and now you're back to not having any inventory and so one day i was uh i was i would say sometime i was in a marshall's one day scanning you know nike shorts or something and i had this epiphany i was like you're not this isn't a business you know like like this is this is a job your job is shopping as soon as you stop shopping the business completely shuts down so don't, don't fool yourself into think you're building a business. You're a shopper. You get, this is your job. And it's a lot more fun than teaching, but it, it is a job. As soon as you stop going to work, the business stops, you know, the business stops. And so that's when I kind of had this epiphany. So in 2019, the start of 2019, I said that I'm going to start putting in the systems in place, the processes, the accounts, so that this thing can start to kind of run independently of me just constantly feeding it, you know, with with new inventory so could you um could you kind of go into some more detail in terms of some of those processes and systems that you built out off the off the start there yeah the one of the very first things i did and um drew juarez who's dot com drew uh on instagram smart guy uh i said he's a really smart business mind and and he said basically eric you got to remove yourself from all the processes in the business that don't make you money you know and so the first one was prep you know, prep can be outsourced uh, either through a prep center or through an employee, you know. Um, and so I hired, a, uh, I hired a college kid to, to do my prep for me. 
So that was the very first thing I did was was remove myself from the prep. Um, so that was one of the processes. And how, then, and- how hard was that for you to remove yourself? Because I know for me, and I think for us, hiring an employee was is like it's like you're giving your trust over. Yeah. And for, I know for me, it was extremely difficult. So like, how was that for you handing that over? It, uh, very tough, especially. I, I don't know. I mean. I, there's something about being a teacher. There's all that you're all, you're always in charge. You're always in control. You're always like, you know, you're always, you're like the show. Uh, and so, yeah, like I would hand him boxes and this was when I was still doing RA and, you know, he'd go to take a sticker off a Lego or something. And he just like grinding his thumbnail into the package. And I'm like, bro, bro, like, like, <laughs> like you have to think like the, the, you know, the Karen moms of the world, are going to be getting this as Christmas gifts for their kids. Like, and so they did take a couple of like just firm conversations and just a gentle reminder, like, Hey, if this thing, you know, gets shut down, you're just out of job. Like I'm out, you know, a lot, you know, I've got a lot right. of money and time invested in this. I just need you to, to make sure you understand just how, and even today I still remind them on big. Sometimes we get a little overwhelmed um, with big orders and lots of similar products and similar SKUs. And, you know, I was like, listen, man, we, we gotta, we gotta be really careful. If I ship off 250 products that have the wrong label, then there's 250 potential customers that are going to be calling Amazon, leaving negative feedback. So let's just, um, let's just, you know, slow down, take a deep breath here. Uh, but it was, it was tough at first for hundred percent for sure. Yeah. That's always a good reminder to tell employees at a small business, like, you know, it's different than if you're working at a major corporation where mistakes don't really matter for them because they have the money. But for us, like 250 units could be detrimental, not because it could bankrupt us, but because it could shut down our account. Right. That many negative reviews or that many problems could absolutely shut down our account. Yep. But yeah, so that was one of the things I did is I got out of the prep right away and I, and I'm starting to turn more and more stuff over. I'm training. I just hired another employee. Um, So the, the employees I have, I've got five, employees that handle all the prep, all the shipments. And these guys are phenomenal. They take everything from start to finish from, um, you know, buy lists or invoices to, we still use inventory lab for now to um, labeling box contents. uh, And we ship most of the stuff we ship out on pallets to building the pallets, to wrapping the pallets, labeling the pallets, printing bills of lading and loading, taking a forklift and loading the truck. So I'm 99% out completely hands off in all the, I guess the production side of it. Now the parts that I'm still trying to build out are the, the reordering, the, uh, um, we use virtual assistants to kind of go through a lot of catalogs and stuff like that. And so trying to build out those processes. So those things kind of run independently too, but I do find myself still a little bit more hands-on in that part than I'd like to be. Mm Um, but it's taken me, I, I really went, I decided in January 1st, 2019, that, like I'm going all in on wholesale, even if I have to go backwards. Um, so I'm just in about two years into it and, um, it, it's still, you know, I'm still trying to remove myself from it two years later. That that's a good, uh, thing you mentioned going all in, even if you have to go backwards, that's how it felt for me when I went from OA to wholesale, because the OA, the money was fairly quick. However, it wasn't consistent enough. So I knew I had to stop that to put all my energy towards wholesale, even though I, I, I wasn't making as much money with OA at, at, the, at the start of wholesale. But I think it definitely works out in the end. 
Yeah, it took about the, so in the Q4, the December of 2018, I think I did like maybe $110,000 in revenue in that December. And then that January of 2019, I did $24,000 when I switched to wholesale. So it was like a big step backwards. And I would say it took me about nine or 10 months before it was like, okay, now I can kind of see the trajectory of this is just, you know, it, it was like, it was like, it, it took almost a year to kind of see the fruits of my labor where now it's kind of like, okay, I never could have got to what I'm doing now and the potential I have now, if I was still driving to, you know, stores and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a different type of money though, right? So your 110,000 in December is one thing, but that 20, whatever thousand in January, that's like a snowball, right? Your, exactly. your, your wholesale catalog is a, a snowball is, is compounding on itself. Right. And so your, your products that you source in January are going to be the same ones that you source in March, but you're going to add more to it. And obviously you, you kind of expounded on, on that in, a, in terms of um, really about like 12 months in and you really start to make some progress. Yeah, it, 100%. It just, it compounds that one skew turns into skew, you know, two skews. And, and now, you know, when we find a hot buy, you know, at a Walmart or something like that, um, you buy 12 and then you sell 12 or however many you can find. And that's the end of it. You know, now it's like, and, and the orders get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, um, I just placed a wholesale order uh, today's uh, Thursday. So Monday or Tuesday for, you know, we bought 600 units and then those sold out super quick. So then we, you know, we just ordered 1200 units. And so, yeah, it's in your portfolio of profitable SKUs continues to grow. Um, yeah, that, there's something about for, for, for me, I don't, my frustration was always just inventory, inventory, inventory. And I wanted to be able to pick up the phone and say, Hey, send me another pallet, send me another, you know, 24 cases. Um, and so I knew that if I, you know, it was going to have to, I was going to have to go backwards, um, which was, which was tough, you know, because I had gone every year prior, 2017, 2018, 2019, everything was kind of going in this direction. And it was like, oh, we got to go backwards now. But the business is in a much healthier place. It, right. it is a business. It's not quite a hundred percent independent of me yet, but it's getting closer. Yep. And in terms of uh, like, we have a lot of viewers right now who do like arbitrage, whether it's retail or online, they aspire to do wholesale. Specifically, what types of strategies do you use to find products as well as how did you learn those? Like whose videos were you watching or who, who were you asking questions to and all that, if we want to get a little specific on that or not. Sure. Uh, for me, um, my, it, when I talk to people about wholesale, um, I always tell people to look when you first start, you know, just literally Google or Google Maps and you, you want to find people that are willing to deliver to you that you're probably in their delivery radius. You're probably in their delivery area. So if you lived in, um, you know, I live in uh, near Flint, Michigan. And so if you look at a map, you've got Detroit's an hour away, you've got Saginaw's an hour away, and you've got the state capitalists an hour away. So I'm guessing that in that perimeter, there's a lot of suppliers, you know, that are willing to drive past me and drop off. So that's what I did is I just started, you know, Googling, you know, Detroit distributors, you know, uh, Lansing distributors, Saginaw distributors, and then just picking up the phone. And I remember the very first time I picked up the phone, uh, I was so scared because I just like, I just thought like, 
I'm doing something dirty, like Amazon sellers are the you know scum of the earth and they're going to see right through me. And I called this company and, and uh, they said that we wouldn't be a fit for them. And uh, I said, do you know of anybody that, you know, you kind of heard what we do. Can you think of anybody that might be a fit? And he said, you know, call this company. And, and uh, I was like, okay. So I called them up and they became like my first supplier. Uh, I'm going to get a, we order from every week. Um, and it was just, just picking up the phone and, you know, just asking. And uh, but yeah, I, that's my recommendation is your thing about wholesale is think of, you know, there, every grocery store, every gas station, every, you know, every, every business in your areas, people are bringing inventory to those places. Uh, and just, you know, see if you can figure out who it is and where it is. And I always, I post some stuff on my Instagram story from time to time, but I'm always looking at trucks whenever I'm driving around and I see any type of truck, I'm just looking at the name on the side of it. You know, ABC that's, a, that's a great way. That's how I got one of my, yeah, yeah, and, and I've seen, I've seen those trucks. I've driven past the ones, Danny, you probably have too. We all, we all probably have on reference, but that was a, a very good point there. Definitely. Yeah. I, I just visited one the other day. There was a, uh, across the street from us is a little uh, convenience store. And I saw a truck, it said NZ wholesale. And I was like, get online. I was like, I didn't really find much. I found an address. So I was like, well, I'm just going to drive up there. I, I get there. It's kind of this like seedy looking building. And I walked up and I was like, knocked on the door. A guy comes in. I was like, Hey, we buy stuff, you know? And he's like, come on in. And they've got this <laughs> massive warehouse. They've supplied to, uh, to convenience stores and gas stations and stuff like that. But it was just, I just saw the truck and, um, I would say a lot of what I do is I, you know, I just kind of call it like chasing the rabbit trail or the rabbit hole or whatever, just, you know, Googling distributor, Googling this, seeing a name um, or, or finding a product and going like, you know, okay, where, where do, you know, uh, armor all or something. I'm looking at something that says armor all on it, you know, you know, armor all distributor, Milwaukee yeah. distributor, um, you People know. like to overcome, overcomplicate it. Yeah. And that, um, I think when I first went into wholesale too, I thought that there was a formula. I really did. I thought there was some secret, like Larry knows it. The Amazon lit guys know it, you know, all these guys know it. And I'm like, well, what's the formula? And then it's like, the formula is you just keep asking and keep looking until you find something. You know what I mean? It's just, I think Larry's got a formula. On a side, I think because he has, I think I don't know how many employees he has, but uh, it seems yeah, like not a lot. Multiple, yeah, I know, but it doesn't seem it's not as much as Amazon lit. I always thought that Larry has something, something else going on. It's cool though. I, I, I wish I could visit. I, I don't know for sure. I know that he sells a lot of products in Europe. Um, yeah. and so that's part of it, you know, the process of getting that stuff over there. Most people don't want to, you know, hassle with that or know how to do it. I, I, this is my opinion. You guys might know more of this because you're kind of out. You guys are in Delaware, right? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Delaware. Okay. Yeah. So I, for some reason, I thought you're in Delaware. But um, I think there's a lot of, in that Brooklyn, New York area, there's a lot of gray, you know. So I, I'm from New Jersey. Uh, okay. I live in Miami now. And I, I agree. I agree. That's why, that's why I said that there's definitely yeah. a lot of, a lot of people piggybacking off their, you know, their friend who owns a store and they, you know, they're ordering a couple more pallets and you know, they're getting inventory that maybe you and I, you know, 
may not have access to. I don't have anything to prove that. That's my. Uh, that's yeah, my I mean, idea. more more power to him though. There's also another oh, yeah. thing. Uh, there's a big thing going on right now in very urban areas, especially in the New York, New Jersey area. It's like pallet flipping. No, not pallet flipping. People are like selling pallets to Amazon sellers, but they're really just. I think they're really just like returns, Amazon returns, and they're okay. selling it to to Amazon sellers and stuff. Hmm. We do to, that a little um, bit. To we, get some we do that a little Go bit. Ahead. We were able to get one account based upon a friend of ours who owns a um, who owns a hardware store, and the rep knows it. You know, he's in fact, it was his suggestion, like, "Hey, why don't we run it through your buddy, and then we'll just order through his you know account, and we'll just use your address as the ship to address." I'm like, "Hey, whatever you guys got to do, works, man. <laughs> whatever works for you." So. To, um, to give some perspective in terms of what it takes to get going, right? So in, in those first couple months, how many wholesalers were you calling? How many were you emailing? What, is it, what did it take to really get that going and get, get that off the ground? I would say, so it was tough because I would like, I would make the phone call and I would get the price list because everything was like stuck with me. So then as I'm going through prices, catalogs one at a time, like I'm not reaching out anymore. Now I'm focused on this and so then I started kind of like trying to figure out how can I get virtual assistants to help me with some of this stuff. But I would say um, it's a volume game. You know, you're going to reach out to a lot of people. You're going to get told no a lot. The ones that you get, you know, the ones that say yes, you're going to find that their prices are, you know, a lot of their prices are ridiculous. You know, no way people are making money, you know, off this catalog. And the, my, experience in the two years that I've been focused whole on wholesale completely it, it is literally like find an account and we go through it with a fine-tooth comb a lot of people just want to run it through software you know they want to run through price check you know price checker or or uh, AMZ analyzer you know scan whatever they are they just want to scan and what I found is that you really really have to dig through claw through every single product one by one and what I find is if I can find three to five, seven, eight SKUs that I can consistently order from one supplier, that's awesome. You know, but but out of several thousand products, I might I might only find, you know, a handful. Um, yeah, a handful. There's one Literally. supplier that we have that we we get uh, one product from. Yeah. It's a really nice yeah. product. The thing with the software is there's always blind spots and yeah. it's really not like plug and play. You have to edit it and do like set certain parameters you may not know what to set and there's always going to be blind spots in the software so you really do always have to go through it manually which is where the vas i think can come in to help or, yeah. or w2 employees or whatever yeah that i awesome. agree with that i i pulled up an example uh i can't remember who i was talking to i was uh maybe it was the new employee but we ran a, a spreadsheet through the software and the, the software found one product it was like a candy it was like a 12 pack pack of uh, some candies and i said now watch when i put this in amazon and i typed in the name of the product in amazon and there were at least a dozen asins a two pack a three pack a five pack a six pack a variety pack that the software you know software could just match upcs you know what i mean yeah that's it and uh if i was talking to a software developer a couple of days ago and i said dude if you can figure out a way to you know get the software to find those blind spots you know you could yeah, you could either sell the software or you could find a lot more products. But right now, just the UPC to UPC, it just doesn't. Yeah. I, I think part of it also is the 
like in like variety packs and two packs and three packs, it's not very consistent on Amazon. Sometimes it's just in the title. Sometimes there'll be multiple on a listing and then you have to click in and then click it. So I think that's part of the reason why the software sucks yeah. is not, not sucks, but part of why it has blind spots because the Amazon isn't consistent enough with how they label yeah. or how they show two packs and three packs or, or variety packs, or whatever. That's a good point. Yeah. And I think the more... software could be okay if you had like certain categories like electronics. Yeah. You know, you don't have a lot of bundles in electronics. You don't have a lot of bundles in automotive, but like in grocery and health and beauty, you know, the money seems to be in the in the bundles and the software just misses a lot of that stuff. Yeah, grocery specifically. Grocery can be a mess with some of the listings. Yeah. And what category what categories do you mainly operate in these days? Well, I started off in grocery because, um, first of all, I, I kind of figured out, I was like, well, every town has a grocery store and somebody's bringing them groceries. And um, I like the idea of replenishable. People buy, you know, their favorite, whatever it is, and then they want more. And then I also like the idea of uh, the lower return rates than if you, you know, electronics and, and clothes and yeah. stuff like shoes. And so that was kind of drawn to grocery. Um, from that perspective but we carry a little i mean now it's you know like you guys anything that you can make a couple bucks on you'll you'll sell uh but we've got some uh uh grocery you know health and beauty stuff deodorants and you know body washes and stuff like that we do uh, a little bit automotive um during that you know now that we've started filling in some of the gaps with some oa uh, we've, you know, we've got, we've got some toys in the, you know, catalog. We've got some uh, electronics, stuff like that. But uh, I would say grocery, health and beauty. Um, that's kind of the, that's kind of the home base, you know, the bread and butter. Are you actively sourcing OA products or do you kind of just, if you happen to come by it, you'll buy it? Or... I'm in a couple different groups. Um, I'm in one buying group. Uh, it's not really so much of a leads list. Uh, it's a, it's kind of a buyer who's a big Amazon seller and, and he shares kind of what, you know, his list of what he's bought for the day. And then I'm, I am in one OA uh, leads list group. Um, I just joined back in. I used to do OA. I, I'm a huge proponent of OA lists um, and Bolo groups and stuff like that. Huge, huge proponent of that kind of stuff. So um, uh, I'm trying to build that into more of my structure and my routine um, and kind of set aside a certain amount of time each day to kind of just, cause especially right now, I mean, there's just so many opportunities, so much, yeah. there's just so much out there. It would almost be negligent for me not to take advantage of some of it, you know, yeah. cause there's just, it's just crazy right now. COVID really created a lot of gaps in the market. And yep. I think, especially with the supply chain issues that it just absolutely exploded the opportunities in OA and RA. And especially if you're willing to like, like we'll buy stuff that's twelve, thirteen hundred dollars if we can flip it for you know stuff that we buy for twelve or thirteen hundred bucks that we know is going to flip you know when it sells out for twelve you know two thousand dollars or stuff like that. Especially you know every, the entry point, the low margin stuff, the four or five dollar things from Walmart. Everybody wants to get in that because it's easy, and then but that also has a tendency to tank. Well, we're willing to um, kind of. The, the higher you go, the less there's less competition, uh, less competition. And the, the yeah. people that are up there kind of know like, Hey, let's, uh, let's play nicely and we can all profit <laughs> without so, saying anything, but yeah. 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 
Yeah. So I have uh, I have one question. So you I you were a teacher um, there for like uh, part of your career and everything. What did people think? What do you tell them when they ask what you do? All that. I'm always curious when we have people who have actually, you know, had a career and then shifted to doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. What, what were those conversations like with your colleagues when you left? I, I, there's, I'll tell you right now, this is the field of education. There are so many people that want to leave. It's a tough, tough job right now. And more than anything, they were like, I wish I had the courage. I wish I'd put myself in a position financially that I could chase my dreams because the vast majority of teachers is at least the, at the high school level where I was in the two schools that I taught in, there's just a lot of people that are just miserable. It's a tough, tough, tough job right now. Um, I tell people when I, when people ask me what I do, I say, well, the short, the short version of it is, is I sell crap on the internet. You know, that's kind of the, the short version of it. And then uh, if people want to, you know, I love talking about it. So if people ask a little bit, and I've always been kind of an open book, you know, I, I just kind of explain what we do. And, um, but uh, there are a lot of people, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm 46. I had a, about 42, I, I, I wouldn't call it a midlife crisis. I kind of had this midlife awareness or like awakening. I'm kind of like, okay, I'm halfway through this thing, man. Like, I don't, I don't want to spend another moment, you know, the reality, not a fear of death, but just, just the reality. Like, dude, we got one shot of this thing, man. I don't want to do anything. That I'm, I don't want to hate Mondays. You know what I mean? I don't want to love Fridays. And so, I think most of the people that I've talked to there, there's a like, man, I, I want to do it too. Um, I had a big safety net. I, I will admit that we, uh, you know, my wife has a great job. We knew that we weren't going to lose the house. We weren't going to, you know, if for some reason this thing failed. So I had a safety net. Not everybody has that, but, but uh, you worked for it. You know what exactly. I mean? Like you put yourself in that position 100%. and uh, that's definitely not something to downplay. Yeah, no. Yeah. When for years, you know, we drove, you know, we paid off cars and didn't have car, you know, payments. And we just, we put ourselves in a position where financially we were safe to take a risk. But there are a lot of people that are living, you know, paycheck to paycheck, yeah. even if it's at a higher level. It's uh, so, yeah, that is true. We did, we did put ourselves in a position where we could, um, we had a little bit of a safety net there. That's awesome. Very, very good. Yeah. And I've seen some pictures, I think maybe from like the past year or so of you like on Instagram with Cody and some, some other Amazon stars and everything. How have relationships played a part in your success with Amazon? I I believe that uh, it's it's huge, man. I think like what you guys have here, finding like-minded guys that are kind of on the journey with you, that you're willing to share leads with, that you're sh- willing to share strategies and techniques with. Um, Curtis did, who's on Instagram as Primetime FBA. For some reason, he and I hit it off really well. We text leads each other every single day. That's beautiful. That is, that's beautiful. Man. Yeah. Like literally he's like, you know, he'll send me an ace and he'd be like, Hey, that's by six, I'm like, sweet. I grabbed 12 of them, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, or, you know, we'll set up keep alerts and he'll text me like, Hey, such and such is back in stock. So I think having a partnership, uh, friendship, there are, there are a lot of people in this space that it, it's kind of a mindset of it, you know, if you want to call it like a scarcity mindset, but there are a lot of people that yeah. are closed yeah. off. Like yeah. they don't, everything's closed to the vast. And I found it's just the opposite, man. This pie is so big. Like it's just so big. I couldn't, you know, like even if I got to massive levels of scale, 
Like I, I couldn't eat a percent, a 1% of it. You know what I mean? Like this e-commerce space. So finding people, Cody's uh, been great. I've met, uh, I've done a couple little meetups. I've met a lot of really cool people, but uh, Cody's been great. Um, uh, Q, uh, Insane, um, Insane FBA Hustle, I think. Uh, he's been super helpful. So many guys that have been just, uh, yeah. And I think one other thing you notice is you've been doing it for a couple of years. I've been now on social media a couple of years as well. You see the people that if you're like, if they're at it for years, you know, they're asking questions, they're making friends, almost everyone, it ends up working. You know what I mean? That ends up being around for a few years. And it shows that it might not happen instantly, but if you keep taking the right actions, asking the right questions, if you're like putting stuff out there that helps people, like good things happen. Definitely. Yeah. I think people are, uh, I really do think everybody is a kind of a teacher at art. Like people want to help and they want to teach and, you know, they want to share with you what they're excited about. As long as your questions, like I've never, I very rarely, even early on, um, as long as your questions are like process related and like, Hey, can you explain this to me? You know, if you get a message, it's like, Hey, what's your best seller? People are going to like, get out of here. But if you ask people a question, you know, like, Hey, what do you do? What did you, I mean, I still post all the time on my story. Like something comes up like, man, I've never had that before. I just post on my story and like people are all the time like, Oh, you do this. Oh, you do this. Um, but uh, I, I, yeah, I think uh, this community has been really helpful if they know you're taking action and they know that you're, you know, they know that you're serious and you're not just looking for freebies or handouts. Um, it's, it's been a, it's a really good, really, in my opinion, it's been a, a really good community. Very good. Love to see that. And one thing we were talking about before the show is you did a little interview with, I think, uh, a re- like a re- pretty famous NFL player. Like I don't watch football and I'd heard of him, Pierre Garçon, and mm-hmm. found out he actually did Amazon and everything. Do you want to give us a little spiel on that? Cause it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it just happened to be when Clubhouse, the Clubhouse app kind of first came onto the scene. I was kind of hanging out in some rooms there and uh, he was in a room talking to some other Amazon sellers about his private label product. And uh, at the time, um, I, I really wanted to kind of selfishly, I wanted to connect with people that had a following so that I could kind of piggyback on their following. That, that for me became a little bit of a distraction. Um, and so I had to kind of step, I had to ask myself, like, what do you want to do, Eric? You want to build a social media following or you want to build a business? And I was like, well, I want to build a business. And so I kind of had to step back a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, I, um, I knew that he, he uh, was an Amazon seller. I remembered him from his playing days. I remember having him on a fancy football team back in the day. Yeah. And so I was like, hey, let's just ask, you know? I mean, I kind of have the philosophy of like worst case scenarios, like you get told no, you know? Um so I sent a message through to his agent or publicist or something and said like, Hey, this is what we do. We just interview people, talk about Amazon would, uh, would Pierre be interested in coming on? And they said, absolutely. And so we got to talk, uh, Amazon and, uh, you know, football and life and all that kind of stuff. It was, uh, it was super, it was super cool. It was super fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And for anyone that's interested in that interview, it's actually still on your page. It's, I think yeah. it's the second most recent post. Um, it's there. If you go to reselling teacher, you you can definitely find it. It's super cool. And you can kind of see where I decided like, all right, let's focus on business. Yeah. <laughs> let's like social media, I think was my distraction from like, really like, because I, you know, to get a little bit deeper, I mean, like this is, 
this stuff is hard. It's not like it's physically hard, but it's like nobody's just throwing out money. Nobody's throwing out, you know, profitable products. Nobody's throwing out profitable suppliers. Like you have to grind for it. And I think I was at that point where it was like it, the reality of that this is tough, you know, like this is tough. You, you, nobody's just going to give it to you. And so I was like, well, maybe if I go on social media, you know, kind of build that it was a little bit of a distraction from the reality of like, what are you going to do? It's, you know, it's like somebody that works out, like when you hit a wall, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to quit, you know, or you're going to, are you going to grind and you're going to push through it? So it was right about that point that I decided, you know what, let's put my head down a little bit and uh, get back up and, and focus on growing yeah. the business. And you just had your first 200 grand revenue month, right? In November. Yeah. We've done about a quarter of a million or yeah, quarter of a million in the last 30 days. Uh, we went over a million for the year. Um, um, yeah, so we're, you know, again, even that, like, in some ways, you know, you see some of these massive sellers and you're like, well, they're doing that stuff in a week. They're doing it, you know. But I, I you know, I have to remind myself, like, everybody started, you know, like, it's, you're running the race against yourself. You're not running against Amazon Lit. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a different, it's a different race. Uh, yeah. Comparison can be really bad. It can mess with your head sometimes oh, when you, totally when you does. see the Amazon yeah. lit post 60 million in a year and you're like, well, like, so I yeah. think the comparison is definitely good to cut out. Yeah. It's good to see. It's good to have a goal. It's good to see those guys and, and think like, well, I can maybe get there. But uh, yeah, for me, for some reason, when I first started, you know, a million dollars a year in revenue seemed to be, there was a club you know, that then I wanted to be in that club. And I was, you know, the trajectory was moving that direction. And then I went backwards and went from 2018, you know, to 2019 sales went backwards. And I was just like, oh man. But then this year they've skyrocketed past, you know, I think I did in the first four years, combined total in the first four years, 1.5 million total in revenue. And we're at 1.2 for just this one year so yeah. the the processes and the work you know is kind of it's starting to kind of slingshot itself past mm-hmm. and anything you do, else. you do aspire to keep growing it past where it is right now I, I one of the things i want to do in 2021 is really start to look at the efficiencies in the books and and uh now now that i'm able to kind of hand some things off uh i really want to look at the efficiencies i want to look at the stuff that we're sourcing i want to be smarter you know, sorcerer, um, and, uh, and see if we can, you know, work more efficiently, squeeze a little bit more money out of what we're already doing, you know, trim some expenses and stuff like that. We're launching a private label products, um, that, uh, it kind of fell into our lap. Um, a friend of mine and I don't know, he had to create a, a product for his daughter who, when she, uh, she came home from court to quarantine. She, uh, she was in New York city, came home to quarantine. He didn't have any space for her to work. So he kind of built this like little portable desk thing for, her. and uh, he sent me a picture of it. And I was like, dude, like you just solved a problem that a lot of people have, you know, kids working, you know, mm-hmm. uh, kids doing schooling at home, pe- people that don't have space for a desk. And so I was like, we need to pursue this. We would both kick ourselves if we were sitting on this idea you know, and didn't do something with it. So worked with a design company, um, prototypes, 
and all that stuff. So we're in the sourcing phase of it now, and we're supposed to have uh, samples later this. Um, I, I don't know if we'll get them before Christmas or not, but but relatively soon. That's awesome. So Very nice. That's exciting. Yep, yeah, we'll try to launch that. And that just kind of like, I, I never really had private label ex, uh, uh, aspirations, but it's just a, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity for us. We're like, well, let's see what happens, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. And so we've kind of gotten a really nice holistic view of your whole story with everything and all that. Um, a lot of our listeners are beginners. So if you could start over knowing what you know now, what would you do differently? Oh, that's a great question. I would, uh, one thing I would try to do is, um, you know, try to keep the profits in the business as long as you can, you know, just keep flipping, keep flipping, you know, something makes money, just keep buying more and more inventory. Um, I, I think part of it is just the mindset. Like when I first started, like you would go to list something, you'd be restricted and you would be like, Oh, I'm restricted. Oh, you know, and it's like every, every wall, like there's a way over it and it's usually pretty simple. It's not as hard as you think it is. Um, you know, just go into it knowing that uh, walls and, and pain points are really in some ways are good things because a lot of people, they're just looking for the low hanging fruit and they just don't want to try that hard. And as soon as they get to that same pain point, they're just going to stop. But if, if you are willing to hop over it, usually there's something on the other side of it. Um, so I would keep the money in it as long as I could. I would, um, I would understand, you know, that there are frustrations. If anybody could just, you know, push a button or turn a key and make a million dollars overnight, we would all be doing it. Um, and then I would start thinking about the things, the processes that make, you know, where do you make your money? You taking stickers off of TJ Maxx boxes doesn't make you money. You know what I mean? So yeah. I would outsource that pretty quickly to son or daughter, or, you know, a neighbor kid or, you know, somebody looking to make an extra few bucks. Um, just be thinking scalability. You know what I mean? Like what? Uh, those are the kind of things that come to mind being yeah, put on no. a spot like that. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, thank you for joining us. And thank you to everyone who's listened. Um, Eric, where can everyone find you on socials? Right. Primarily just Instagram, the reselling teacher. Uh, I do think that there is a Facebook page uh, connected to that, uh, the reselling teacher, but at the reselling teacher on Instagram is where I hang out. And uh, yeah. And you're, you're very responsive. Like I've, I think over the last year, I've asked you questions a few times and you've yeah. helped me out. So I, I really appreciate it, but thank you for a super valuable episode. And thank you to everyone who's listened. We really, really appreciate it for on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe and we'll see you guys uh, in the next one. Thanks a lot, Eric. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem.